0: The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Our Father in heaven. We thank you for your word. For the promises that you will keep us from all evil, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to look to you to trust and to rest in those promises. And I ask that you would strengthen our faith this morning, now, as we hear and listen to your word. And we ask for your power and your help so that we believe and so that we obey and do it. Lord, Jesus promises blessing for hearing and obedience, and we long to be blessed. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message this morning is Hope for struggling faith, we have been looking at Jesus in Luke's gospel, starting at the beginning, and we're going to go all the way through to the end, so that we can know for certain that we worship Jesus as he is and not as we would like him to be or not as we imagine him to be. The more you look at Jesus, And what I mean by that is the more you see him in his word, the more you will love him. And so my prayer for this series, for for our church, is that we would see Jesus clearly and love him more. And this morning, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, my prayer is by the end of this message, you will want to give your entire life to him. If you are a careful student of scripture, you will find things that cause pain in your heart and joy in your heart. And we have found both in Luke's gospel. Today, in our passage, and in the main passage I'm going to preach on, we are going to see one of the most beautiful and joyful things about Jesus. And so it's my prayer that you will leave encouraged today. But before we look At our main text today, I want to remind you a little bit of the context and of the passages of Scripture that lead up to it. So I want to ask you to to remember with me the parable of the sower. Jesus said, a sower scattered some seed, and some of that seed was eaten by birds. Some of it sprang up and seemed healthy, but it withered for lack of depth. Or it was choked by thorns, and so it didn't produce fruit. And then the last portion of that scattered seed grew and was healthy and produced fruit. Some of it a hundred times what had originally been scattered. And Jesus explained that the seed that was sown is the word of God. So every time the word is read or preached or taught, God's word is cast out. Some of it is stolen by Satan so that it never even appears alive. Some of it looks alive, but is ultimately fruitless. Sometimes people are excited to hear the word and to hear what God says, and yet they don't do anything about it. They don't follow through. They don't obey. It's like window shopping, where you go and you look, but you don't buy. You don't take it home. You may have enjoyed the experience, But ultimately, it has no impact on your life. And finally, some of that seed that was scattered as the word was preached and read and taught, some of it came alive and produced fruit. It experienced the joy of faith and of knowing God. It experienced the maturity of putting the teaching of Christ into practice. And it saw other people come and know the Savior Jesus said that that parable was showing how people respond to the word of God. And the sad truth is only some people who hear the word of God are saved. Some look like they believe, but they are window shoppers of the kingdom. And some never even bother to listen. After Jesus teaches that parable in Luke's gospel, Luke then switches and he begins to give accounts of Jesus doing things that illustrate the truth of his message so Jesus shows Luke, or excuse me Luke shows Jesus as a preacher but not just as a preacher but as someone who puts in practice the things that he preaches and so he shows the truth of what Jesus said because we need to see that his life backed up his message when Luke said at the very beginning of this book that he was writing an orderly account, he's serious. He's very careful about how he orders the teachings of Christ and the stories of his life so that you see how the two are related. And Jesus shows a story right before our text today of one man who is set free from demons and a whole town rejecting the Savior. And I'm not going to read it all, but I would encourage you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, or if you use a phone to go ahead and open your phone and and look with me at Luke chapter 8, and I'll point a few things out as we proceed to our main text this morning. What Luke is doing is he's beginning to show that Jesus is the message that he is preaching. That might seem like a strange thing. Jesus is, unlike any other prophet, unlike any other teacher, is not just pointing people to God, he is actually pointing people to himself. He has been promising from the beginning of his ministry that the kingdom of God is at hand. And you need to know the Old Testament to appreciate the joy and the hope that that promise would have brought. But he's not just preaching the kingdom of God. John the Baptist did that. More than that, he is urging people to put their trust in him because he is the one who is healing. He is the one who is forgiving sins. He is the one who is interpreting God's law with authority as only a king can do. And he is the one who would die for your sins and rise from the dead. He is the king in God's kingdom. That's what we celebrate on Palm Sunday. And Luke as he's shown you some of Jesus' teaching, wants to show you Jesus' life so you begin to understand that Jesus is the message that he is preaching. So Luke is using the rest of chapter 8 to demonstrate Jesus' authority as king. And he shows his power and authority over nature. You heard last week as Chris preached how Jesus calmed a raging storm. If you read through the Psalms, many of them talk about God's power and authority and his ability to calm something that seems uncontrollable, a storm at sea. Luke wants you to remember that. And then he shows you that Jesus has that same power and authority to make a raging sea utterly calm. Then Luke shows that Jesus has power and authority over demons. As they land after that storm, and the disciples have been wondering, who is this man that can do this? They actually experience confusion at the power of Jesus. They land and they see a man who is afflicted, with the power of Satan having complete control over his life. And this man, full of demons, announces that he knows exactly who Jesus is. Verse 28 says, When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? It's a clear identification of who Christ is. The disciples were confused when Jesus calmed the storm, but now they have heard who he is from the voice of a madman. And Jesus, in that confrontation, clearly shows his power and authority, and the demons are afraid in his presence. That is good news for human me. And the demons... Ask to be allowed to go torment some pigs that are nearby, and and Jesus consents. He allows them to do that. And so the man is set free, and and Mark's gospel says as many as 2,000 pigs go screaming over a cliff. And then the townspeople who own the pigs show up. They see this man, and, and Luke says that they had tried to bind him in chains and had not been successful, that he could not be held. He would have had scars from breaking the chains. They would have known how he'd gone about naked, how he had been violent and dangerous. And they see this man who had been a raving lunatic, clothed, restored, peaceful, and in his right mind. And then they turn and look at the Savior, and they ask the Savior to leave. It is the parable of the sower lived out. One man is saved by Christ. A whole town is lost. It's incredibly sobering. The question for us is, will we be like the man rescued by Jesus? He is the only one who produces fruit. He wanted to follow Jesus for the rest of his life. Jesus actually tells him, no, I want you to stay here and tell people what God has done for you. In fact, the scripture says he went about proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. And it continues to reinforce that point. Jesus is the one who calms the storm, and only God can do that. Jesus says, go tell people what God has done for you. And he says he went and told people what Jesus did for him. And so Luke is showing you this Jesus is more than a prophet. He's more than a teacher. He is the message that he is preaching. But the terrifying thing is that whole town completely rejected the man who had the power over Satan. The lunatic couldn't stop talking about what Jesus did for him. Will you and I be like the townspeople who loved a bunch of pigs more than God? Or will we be like the one man who went and bore fruit The rest of the townspeople asked the Son of God to please go away, and Jesus did. He left. The seed that Jesus was going to sow in their town withered and died. They are the first group. It never even looked alive. And so if you look at the teaching of Christ and understand that when you Resist God, God will eventually leave you to yourself and your own destruction. It begins to change how you think of God. There's a serious and a somewhat frightening reality that if you say no to Christ, there is no hope in life. And the scriptures are so clear about that. So, I want to answer the question for each of us. If you have heard the sober warnings that Luke describes, perhaps you are in fear and perhaps you are discouraged. Maybe you have come here today and in the past you have asked Jesus to forgive you for your sins, but you're not sure about the future of your life and of the church. Maybe. You're frightened that that you won't stick with it when things get hard. Maybe you've been following Jesus for years. But you're worried. The cares of this life can choke out the seed of faith. And maybe you're worried that that will be you. Or maybe you're worried about your kids. You might hear the words of Jesus and you might see this part of his ministry. And you might even feel discouraged. You might worry that the word of God will not take deep root in your life or in our town. I believe a lot of people in our town are very discouraged about the church of Jesus right now. And so the question is, what do we do with that kind of discouragement and that kind of fear? And I believe the blessed truth of scripture is that you can take it straight to Jesus. And our passage this morning offers an incredible and a beautiful glimpse into the tender heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to read verses 40 through the first half of verse 42 with me. And we're going to see a man who makes an urgent request. A man who is in fear. And if you come today and you don't know if you're right with God or if you have anxieties about the church, or if you have anxieties about your walk with the Lord, I want to urge you to look at this man and find some hope. Let's look at his urgent request, starting in verse 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, so he's gone back across the lake to a place that they've seen him preach, and they've seen him heal, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue and falling at Jesus' feet, just like the man with the demons? He's coming with a different problem, but he falls at Jesus' feet. Says he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Some of you have actually lost children. And you understand the depth of this man's fear even more than I could. But I remember a time, actually the last day that I worked at Starbucks. I did the most irresponsible thing I had ever done as a supervisor. I walked out before my shift was done because Rosie was on the way to the hospital. Because we had taken her to the doctor, she was having a little bit of asthma and We were experienced parents. We had had Isaac, we'd had Rosie, and kept her alive for about a year. And so we thought, this is no big deal, we'll take her to the doctor. And Rosie, uh, Lauren took her to the doctor, and the doctor gave her a breathing treatment. And the doctor said, she's not responding, you need to take her to the emergency room right away. At that age, she wasn't even a year, and with her labored breathing, the doctor said she could get tired and stop breathing you need to be in a place where they can resuscitate her if she stops breathing. So Lauren called me, and we didn't have cars, so I hopped on a bus, which was the fastest mode of transportation, which is not fast at all, and went down to the hospital in downtown Chicago, worried that my little girl wasn't going to make it. You can appreciate This history is separated by 2,000 years, but the feelings and emotions are identical. This is a father who loves his daughter. And his only hope is that Jesus will save his daughter. And Jesus goes, but as he goes, he's interrupted. This man's request is the most important thing in the world to him. And so imagine for a moment what, what an interruption would have meant as his daughter's life is in the line. And we see, as Jesus goes to respond, a model of what saving faith looks like. And look with me at verse 42 through 48, the second half of verse 42. It says, As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounded you, and you are you pressing into you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. It's not immediately obvious to us why this woman would have been afraid. There are people that approach Jesus very boldly and and asked for help. And, And you can think of the man who was under the power of Satan. And the demons were afraid, but this man approached Jesus. But this woman doesn't want to be noticed. She doesn't want to be seen. And the reason is her condition made her ceremonially unclean. She could not worship like any other Israelite. If you read the laws in Leviticus, both men and women can be made unclean just by nature of how God made us. And the implication is you and I are broken and cannot approach a holy God unless God himself cleanses us. And for this woman, she would not have been able to go to the temple to worship. In fact, even worse than that, If she touched anyone, that person would become unclean just because she had touched them. So they could not go worship at the temple. They had to bathe and they would remain unclean until evening, even after they bathed. So she was a pariah. She was someone that if you spent your life with her, you could not go worship God either. Maybe she had heard... How Jesus touched a leper. We've seen that in Luke's gospel. And normally a leper would have made another person unclean just like she would have. And maybe she'd heard that when Jesus touched that leper, the leper was cleansed. So unlike any other person, Jesus has the ability to spread his cleanness to the unclean. And so maybe that's what gave her hope but it didn't give her boldness. She went and she approached Christ but she did it secretly. Notice in verse 47 it says that that she was trembling When she saw that she was not hidden, which implies that she really just wanted to stay hidden and unnoticed. She wanted to be healed by Jesus, but she was afraid. Perhaps she was afraid that he would be angry because she had touched him in her impurity. She didn't know him well. All she had was stories that she'd heard about him, and she trusted that he had the power, and she trusted that he could heal her, but she didn't have the confidence and courage to know his heart. And so she wanted to stay hidden. She wanted to stay secret. And when Jesus stops, she is trembling. Her body is shaking in fear. But notice how tender Jesus is with her. He stops. And she publicly before everyone proclaims, That God had healed her completely. And she falls down before him and and declares in the presence of all people what, what she had not had the courage to do ahead of time. How she had touched him and how she'd been immediately healed. Why would Jesus do that? Why would he call her out? I believe because he doesn't want her to feel as if she'd done something wrong. He wanted her to know his willingness to heal. He wanted her to know he not only had the power to heal, but he had the heart to heal. And so by calling her out away from her secret, away from her hiddenness, he welcomed her into the light so that she could not only know his power, but know his heart and his compassion. But think for a moment that this story, as beautiful as it is, interrupts the request of Jairus who is afraid that his only daughter is about to die. So while everyone else is amazed at this story, and again, Jesus has, instead of becoming impure, spread his purity to someone else, and she has found healing just by touching him. Everyone else would have been amazed and had questions, but Jairus has a life and death issue that he wants Jesus to deal with. And so notice The last point for this morning, how there is help for those of us who are weak. Look with me at verses 49 through 56. While he was still speaking, so this is a rapidly moving story. This is while Jesus is still talking about this other woman that has interrupted Jairus' request. Someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat, and her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. As I said a moment ago, multiple people who are here today have lost children. You especially know the personal anguish that Jairus felt. He would have felt like Jesus had let him down. Jairus was now in a place where belief seemed impossible. He had just seen Jesus reward the faith of this woman, but faith seems pointless after death. And think for a moment what that would have done to him spiritually. It's like being in a church service where you see people worshiping around you. And you know those people that seem like they're really on fire for God. And you feel like, well, that's really great for them. I wish I felt that. Or maybe you get to a place where you don't even care anymore. That's where Jairus would have been. He'd seen this woman healed, but now there was no hope for his daughter. And what does Jesus do in that moment? He doesn't berate Jairus. He doesn't say, hey, I got this. He doesn't say, you just need to believe right now. It all depends on you. He first says to him, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because he knows that he is afraid. He knows that he's just experienced one of the deepest and most painful losses that any human being can experience. And the most natural thing in the world is to be terrified and maybe even angry. And Jesus looks at him in tender mercy. He says, do not be afraid. Only believe. And the question is, Why was there this interruption? Why didn't Jesus speed along, avoid crowds, and go to this man at his deepest need in his deepest moment? Here's why, I think, at least in part. Luke puts these things together for us, and he wants us to think about how they relate. And I believe that Jairus needed to see the tender mercy of Jesus towards someone else, so that he would have hope in the tender mercy of Jesus. Because if you've seen Jesus extend mercy to a person that it seemed like there was no hope for, when your faith is weak, you'll believe that Jesus can do the same thing for you. And I believe these stories are intended to encourage us and to strengthen us. You might hear some of Jesus' warnings in the book of Luke about hard hearts You might hear his talk about judgment and you might be afraid. And I think that that's actually a good and a healthy reaction because the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear can drive you to God, but you do not need to be afraid of Jesus when you are seeking him. Jesus shows that when you hear what he says, he loves you and when your faith seems like it has to fail because your daughter's dead and now there's no hope jesus will strengthen your faith you and i i believe have had moments where where we might look at that woman's faith and feel like it's wonderful that she had faith and it worked out for her but there's just no hope for us And if that's you today, I want to point you to how tenderly Jesus helps this man who is in horrible pain. Twice, he shows you the tender compassion of our God. And if Jesus extended that kind of tender compassion to these people, there is hope for us. This is your Savior. Jesus will forgive your sins. He will provide for you. He loves you. And so when you are afraid and belief seems impossible do not be afraid only believe You may be afraid for our church or, or for the church of Jesus in the town of Holly Do not be afraid God has got this Only believe You may feel guilty for being afraid, that you don't have a vibrant, exciting, happy faith. Jesus has compassion even on your fear. He will help you. Keep looking to him. Keep praying, keep trusting, and believe. Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He cares for you. You can cast your burdens on the Lord in prayer, and you can also do it by talking to another Christian who will pray for you and with you. I would urge you to do both of those things. Maybe you're afraid to obey God and to follow Jesus. But Jesus will forgive your sins and He will give you eternal life. You need to obey Him in baptism if you've not been baptized. You need to learn to obey all his teaching. It's it's not a buffet. Don't pick and choose the things you like. Learn to obey everything, he says. Give your life to him. And whatever problems following Christ causes in your life, and Jesus says you will have many problems, it will be worth it. Do not fear. Only believe. Maybe you're afraid God won't forgive your sins. Maybe you carry a burden of guilt. Do not fear, just believe. Maybe you're afraid that God won't bless the church, that that Holly and America are so far gone, there's no hope for his people. Jesus is getting his bride ready for his return, and it will be ready when he is here. Do not be afraid, only believe. Maybe you're afraid that God won't provide for you, whatever that means in your life. Do not be afraid. Just believe. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I ask that you would take this word and plant it deep in our hearts. Lord, I I ask that you would help us to know in a deep way the tender mercy of Jesus. Jesus. That we would not be discouraged by our own sinfulness or, or by the things around us that cause so much fear, but that we would rest, Lord, that you are the God who raised the dead and who has mercy on anyone who comes in faith. So, Lord, I ask that you would strengthen and increase our faith and bless us. Bless each one here, bless our church and our town, bless our word, Lord.